Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Well, hey, church, I'm Tamara. I'm one of the pastors here, and today I have the privilege of having a conversation with these three stakeholders about global missions and the impact specifically with global trips. I'm so grateful for the faithful presence of our global partners that allows us to live out the Great Commission, to go, to baptize, to teach, and to make disciples. And it's because of your faithful generosity at our Love the Ville outreach offering in December that enables us to do so, to unleash the love of Jesus locally and globally. So today we're specifically celebrating our global missions and our partnerships there. So I have three panelists with us today and we're gonna start and I'm just gonna ask them to introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Will Parton and I'm the president of Go Ministries and I've been a stakeholder here at Northeast for the last four years. Good morning, my name is Aaron Schuett. I've been a stakeholder here for three years and I got to go on the El Oasis trip down to Chile. I'm Rachel Provo and I've been going here for seven years and I got to go on a youth mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Awesome. <laughs> fan club right here. So we were at Clifton earlier and Will had his fan club. So Aaron, we just... Maybe next time. Maybe next time, yeah. So. <laughs> So we'll start us out. You are one of our global partners for which we are really grateful. We started that partnership in 2022 and God's really expanded that partnership this year. So tell us more about the mission and vision of GO. Sure. Yeah, we're super grateful for the partnership with Northeast. Um, at GO Ministries, we empower local leaders to make disciples. And uh, the ministry has been around for 30 plus years based in the Dominican Republic and, and works in other, other countries. Uh, but we really focus on three different areas of ministry. One is medical outreach, another is sports outreach, and the other is church planting. Uh, we have an initiative to plant a thousand churches in, in the next 10 years uh, in the DR in Haiti and wherever God leads us. Uh, we also have, like you saw uh, from the video, a sports facility where we train over a thousand athletes uh, really at, through discipleship in, in their sport. And then also a state-of-the-art medical facility in Santiago, Dominican Republic, where we partner with our church planting communities and also do uh, global clinics, or, or sorry, mobile clinics out in communities where we plant churches. That's great. And I was able to experience a trip with you guys um, this summer with our family missions trip. So thank you. It was a wonderful experience. Tell us more about why it's important for you guys to partner with churches and for people to kind of go to the Dominican Republic and experience an overseas mission trip. Yeah, you know, I, I was a product of a mission trip when I was 17 years old. I was exposed to a mission trip and a different perspective for the very first time in the DR through Go Ministries and really rocked my world. And kind of the way that I put it is I was really for the ordinary, the things that I was passionate about um, really started to change. And God just opened my eyes to some different stuff at 17, planted a seed in my heart. And really what I learned over the years is that we have so much to learn from the global church. The majority of the time when we think of going on mission trips, we certainly are going to live out Matthew 25. We want to go serve the least of these. We have maybe a specific skill set that we can bring to the table. Uh, but something happens on a mission trip too where we get to learn from the global church. There are people doing incredible things all around the world and allows us to be able to glean wisdom from them to maybe bring back home and implement into our communities and our homes as well. 
That's great. We have a couple here who ventured on a trip uh, with Northeast this summer. So tell us more, Aaron, about your trip with LOASIS and how God worked during that experience. So the beautiful thing with uh, LOASIS is it is a, it's a relational built ministry. It is driven based on the relationships that uh, are made at the college level. And this was especially uh, an important thing in Chile where there is no communal meeting area. You think of the, the quad where students could go hang out. That, that doesn't exist to the same extent like it is in Chile. And so especially coming out of COVID, that need to have a place where college age students could get together to have a community, to have the fellowship, to break bread together. That is the service that Eloasis provides. And so we were able to step into that and help bring part of that out. And one of the incredible ways that I saw that work was uh, in building a relationship with a young man named Alex. And Alex was uh, going through a personal trainer curriculum at uh, the university there in Vina del Mar in Chile. And he just had a personality. You, you could tell that he was struggling. He was a little bit on the, the outskirts of the orbit. And over the course of the week, uh, there were two uh, fine individuals that are sitting right in the front row over here, Rich and Heather Provo, that were able to make this incredible personal connection with Alex. And you could see him come out of his shell. You could see his spirit start to raise and inflate and just kind of take on his body. And you could see him, as the time go on, become more of an active participant. And then now hearing about him on the backside of that, hearing how he has now stepped into being an active member, an active participant, and really taking in the word of Christ has just been an absolute blessing. Well, that's awesome. Yes, amen. Aaron, I love that one thing that Greg and Ellie do with the college students is ESL. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so one of the uh, educational requirements to graduate with their degree is to have a level of English proficiency. And with a program that they have put together is called Café a lo Gringo. Coffee with a gringo. <laughs> and what better way to learn a new language to practice than to just immerse yourself, jump in with both feet. And so we would go off to uh, a park that's within walking distance of uh, the Eloasis apartment, and we would sit down and just have different topics of discussion. And so they had a chance to meet a couple of folks. Some spoke Spanish, some didn't. Uh, they had a chance to practice English, learn some slang terms, some nuance we got to learn from them. Uh, but just, just to sit down and figure out this back and forth and just share some laughs, that is absolutely not how you say that. But man, it was so much fun. That's awesome. Well, Rachel, we know that you ventured on a trip with Go Ministries. Tell us more about uh, your experience with the youth ministry here in partnership with Go while you were there this summer. Yeah, so when I went, we worked with the church planting. So we got to go to a local church who didn't have a youth building and we got to help do rebar and lay concrete for this church to have a youth building, which was really cool because we got to say that we helped lay ground for a church. Another thing we did was working with the kids. So we'd go out to the community and just, whether it was face painting or bringing a kickball or dancing and singing, just bringing some joy to them, showing them the love of God. And honestly, they have not a lot. So when we brought a box of face paint, their lives were changed and they were so happy. And it was the coolest thing to see them light up when they just saw face paint. Another thing we did was painting houses. So we'd go into the local community, we'd paint a house, and it was just a really cool way for the pastor to connect with the family that lived in this house. Maybe if they didn't go to church, to invite them. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, we know uh, mission trips are a lot of fun. So there's got to be a lot of fun on a youth mission trip. So tell us about one funny moment that you had. Okay, so, sorry. 
I'm about to say this, but there was one day we were painting houses and this house was super tall. And so we had to use a really long painting stick and it was very heavy to hold. And one of our guys was painting and there was a local standing behind us just watching us paint. And as he was painting, he was coming down and he went straight through this woman's window and painted the curtains. And we all just died laughing because we didn't know what to do. And then this local comes up and he's laughing and he says, Mikasa, Mikasa. And he was asking for his house to be painted. So it was really great. That's great. Well, in all seriousness though, why would you encourage maybe some youth who are here today or even adults to venture on a trip? I would just say it's a super amazing experience that I think everyone should go on and I think it's fundamental to our growth as Christians. But honestly, it's just, you get to see Jesus's love lived out in a different community and place. We are so used to being in a big church, praising God with all these people, but when you go out into a community that maybe they're having church in their backyard with five people, but they're praising God with their whole hearts, your life is transformed in ways you never could have known. And you just get to see God in a different perspective that you might not have seen before. So I think it's a fundamental thing for us to experience and just learn that God's love doesn't have to be in one place, it can be everywhere. That's amazing. Well, Will, one thing I love about GO is this idea of mutual transformation, which is just what Rachel was talking about. But say more about why that's important to GO. Sure, mutual transformation is just kind of a phrase that we use all the time to describe what happens when you go and serve globally. You know, you go down to serve and, and you're served. You go down to love and you receive love in an incredible way. You go down to give and, and, and you're receiving in return. And so it, kind of going back to that idea that um, there's, the global church has so much to offer. And so rather than going in with this perspective that, hey, we're going to go and change this community, be open to understand what this community overseas can do in your heart and your life as well. And so mutual transformation is when the body of Christ gets together and both sides really have a life that's transformed. Yeah, that's amazing. Aaron, tell us a little bit more about how your faith increased, how you were transformed as a result of serving with Greg and Ellie. Uh, that's a, a fantastic way to bring this up because one of the things I thought about because uh, the trip to El Oasis was my first mission trip, the mental picture that I had was of being out someplace austere, of building something, being the literal hands and feet to build something for Jesus. And that is completely different from El Oasis where it is built on relationship. And so to then have to just stop and, and just be, to just sit with somebody, to break bread with them, to have a conversation with them, to play silly games with them was very, very different. And I, I thought about um, a book that I, I recently read um, called Identity, and it talks about these seven tenets of our identities as Christian. And one of them is being an ambassador and being on mission, giving a commission from God to go out and go someplace. And you're only there for a little while, but take a message. And that message is, this is who we are as a people. This is how we sit down and take care of each other and treat each other to just sit and be. And that was an incredible growth process for me. Yeah, that's amazing. One thing that I also love about Northeast, you guys, is when we send people on trips, we also want them to come back and serve here locally, which so many of you are already doing that. That's why we love to unleash love, not locally, but also globally. But I'm going to ask Rachel to share with you how she is also serving locally, not just globally. So something I do is every summer in my backyard, I run a little kids camp called Lunch Club for the neighborhood kids. And they just come and I teach them a little Bible lesson. We do some worship and we play lots of fun games. 
and we just get to eat lunch together and have that community and it's such an amazing opportunity for me to serve these kids and teach them about God, something that I'm very passionate about. And I just love getting to pour into them because they're eager to learn and they want to know more. So getting to pour into that and getting to teach them about God is just something that fills me up spiritually so much. And I just think serving is such a great way to give back to God and show Him the glory and knowing that none of my words come from me, but it's all from God. And just getting to teach them that is something that's really life-changing. So I love that, Rachel, that you're going into all the world, right? Louisville to the Dominican Republic. Love that. Aren't you glad, church, that we're part of a body of Christ that really believes and invests in the next generation? I love that about Northeast. Let's keep it up, church. Um, well, we're going to be out of time here in just a few minutes. This goes quickly. Talk a little bit about what's inspired you over the years to stay invested in the global world from a missions perspective. Yeah, when, when I was uh, a little bit younger, I was a part of a church up in Indiana, and they did a series for an entire month where they would bring people in to speak on Sundays that were engaged in some really incredible things that God was doing around the world. I remember just being captivated by what was going on. And so when I had the opportunity to move to the DR and live there for 14 years and serve, I, was, I continued to be inspired by people uh, that were serving in powerful ways in their own community with limited resources. Uh, a couple people in particular, uh, one guy named Pablo, who one of the most unassuming guys I've ever met in my life uh, is just having an incredible impact because the Holy Spirit's working through him to plant churches in, in 12 prisons in the DR. And so just being encouraged by what God is doing in the global church uh, just continues to want me uh, to keep me engaged uh, with global missions because I can't imagine not being a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Who inspires you, Aaron, the most when it comes to like living this Love the Ville lifestyle, home city, workplace, church, but then out into the world too? My family is my biggest inspiration. My wife, Elaine, is absolutely incredible. She has this spiritual gift of being able to see someone that, that needs some love, that is hurting, and she immediately gravitates towards them right away. And her first instinct is to move and take action, and then we'll figure out you know, how to, to build that framework to keep it going later. But her first instinct is towards movement, and that gives me a lot of inspiration. And then uh, my two kiddos, Isaac and Gabrielle, I'll tell this story. So over the summer, after we had gotten back from Chile, one of the uh, staff members down there, Koke, came up to Indianapolis. Uh, and that was for the uh, Eloasis Global community. They have a annual convention. This one happened to be in Indy. And Koke texted me and said, hey, um, can I come crash on your couch for a night? And I said, I got a guest room. Come on, stay for a couple days. And he wound up spending some time with our family. And seeing the way my two kiddos uh, brought him into the family, sat down, had dinner with him. We played card games with him. We took him around town. And you know, when a four-year-old is saying, Senor Coque, how do you say this in Spanish? I mean, it's just this incredible community. And if my kids can take someone that they had never seen before, didn't look like they did, didn't talk, didn't think like they did, but bring him in as part of the family, if my kiddos can do that, all of us can. Rachel, what is it that keeps you grounded in your faith that makes you want to love the Ville locally and globally? So for me, it's just sharing my stories with other people because I've learned over time that sharing my stories with other people helps them to see God in a way they might not have before. And so continuing to share your stories, no matter small or big, they are all impactful, but also just prayer and coming back to God at the end of the day 
no matter if it's when I'm having a hard day or I'm driving in my car, just praying, letting God know it's on my mind and giving it all up to him because he's ultimately there and he's ultimately helping us. And so just coming back to him and being grounded in him really helps me. Yeah, amen. What if there are some parents out here that might be a little uh, timid on sending their own child on an overseas trip? How would you encourage them to say, yes, send them, go for it? So as Aaron was saying, just stepping out of your comfort zone, but really just knowing that a trip like this will change your child's heart, their mind, and their love for God will transform in ways you never thought before. And so just knowing that God has a plan and he uses each of us, your child will be able to see the world through a whole different perspective that they might not have before. I went on this trip and we had cold water the whole time for showers and no clean water to drink unless it was from a specific place. But just learning to be thankful for what I have back home changed my life because I never realized how bad the living conditions were there until I was put in that situation. So having to be put in that situation grew my faith in ways I never thought before. Amen. Well, Will, there may be some here that don't feel that urge to go on a trip, but they can certainly pray, right? Which is so important. That's what we are calling all of us to do. Go, pray, be involved. How would you encourage this audience today to pray for all of our partners overseas? Yeah, I think prayer, if you were to ask any of our local pastors or local leaders down in the Dominican and Haiti, the first thing that they would say in response of what they need is prayer uh, because they know that they face needs every single day. Some needs that are things that we can't even imagine. And so when our local leaders know that there are churches that are supporting and praying their work, uh, they get to see a, a better glimpse of the global church locking arms as well. And so as you guys have time, pray with your kids. You know, if you have children, pray with your kids. Allow them to start understanding that there is a larger church, a, large, a larger body of Christ that is at work all around the world so they can understand just how, how big God is. But, yeah, I would encourage you guys. We've been on the receiving end of your generosity and your prayers already at Go Ministries, and it makes a huge difference for, for our organization. So thank you guys so much. Great. Last question, Aaron. How would you encourage an adult here that may has never been on a mission trip like you before this year? Why would you encourage them to go? So I'll steal this from a, a podcast that I heard, but there's no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone. We always talk about walking with Christ. Walking involves action. Get up and get going. Take a step. And you'll get there and realize you, you don't know enough of the language to be conversant. Guess what? They don't know enough English to be conversant most times. But give it a shot. Think about how many laps you can have. If that's, like I mentioned earlier, that, that's not how you say dog. It's the, you know, whatever the case may be, but get started, get going, get moving. And my goodness, the, the fact that you will be with some people who will make a connection with you and open a part of your heart that you didn't even know was closed, and you realize that you'll wind up doing the same for them and serving not just those in the community where you're doing your mission trip at, but you'll wind up serving each other in a powerful way too. That's awesome. So our hope and prayer for all of you today is that you'll pray, maybe if God's calling you that you'll go, but to stop at some point today and just thank God for his work, not only here, but around the world. Give it up for these panelists today. Yes. Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much for the generosity of this church that enables us to partner 
uh, with so many who are unleashing the love to meet spiritual and physical needs both here in our city and around the world. God, we're so grateful to have a front row seat and to watching you work. And we know that we just have to keep our eyes open, Jesus, and you're at work all around us and you're calling us today uh, to join you. And that's what we're doing. We're here to say yes and we desire to follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. And it's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, at this time, I want to invite you guys to give. You know, you can give online at nechurch.org slash give or in our lobby. And every time you give, you are unleashing the love of Jesus. If you are interested truly in learning more about our global partners and perhaps venturing on a trip, you can go to our website at nechurch.org slash outreach, and you'll find all the information that you need there. So I hope that you will go and check it out today. And as a reminder, next week, we are here on this campus, but our worship's gonna look a little different. We are gonna be meeting in this room at 9, 11, and one o'clock to pack 150,000 meals to send to Honduras. We've been building it up. So many of you, yes, have already signed up. Um, so just remember to show up maybe 30 minutes early so you can come in, find your seat. We can get ready to have a wonderful day of serving together. Church, we love you. Thank you truly for unleashing the love in your home, city, workplace, church, and around the world. Awesome. Great job. We have so much to be thankful for, church. So much. I, uh, I've been watching the weather reports for over a week now. And do you know what it said is supposed to be happening right now? Rain, a lot, a lot of rain. And as we prayed and prayed and prayed, those chances kept just going. Doo, doo. And then last night they went, Phew. and now we're ready for a great day. And we were so excited. Yeah, yeah. So we are thankful. I am thankful. Uh, as Jesus said to those first disciples in Acts Chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I, for one, am so thankful that they went to the ends of the earth, because you realize that's us, right? This was said on the other side of the world in Jerusalem that is very far from the ville, to a people in a completely different culture that spoke a different language that did not look like most of us, and they took Jesus' commands seriously. And through the years, a couple thousand years later, the faithful followers of Jesus carried his gospel and the good news of his salvation. Even in spite of some of their actions and failings, the church today is still loving God and loving people. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I have big love for how we unleash the love of Jesus right here in our city. But as you've heard, today we are zooming out and we are taking out that telephoto lens and we are pointing it at different parts of the earth. A few years ago while leading the outreach team, I had the honor of connecting deeply with many of our global partners. And I'm blown away by the people and the organizations that we have truly partnered with to share love all over the world. You got to hear from Madison earlier who does a great job leading the global side of our outreach, but you might not know there is a dedicated team 
of stakeholders who serve with us on the global leadership team. And every month they connect with our partners, they pray for them, they advise us on current and and future partnerships. So just know there is a lot of prayer and intentionality around who we choose to partner with and why. And you got to hear a little bit about most of our partners, but there are a couple other missionaries we support and that we have supported for years. You might recognize this guy, Wayne Meese. He serves locally with Team Expansion. Yeah, it's worth clapping over. He's a good guy. He's a dear brother, a mentor of mine, and a friend of mine. And he's a wealth of wisdom. He leads with humility and serves selflessly. And he's also a stakeholder here, here every weekend. That's right, my brother. So glad you're here. Can we thank Wayne for his service in the kingdom? And I'm thankful that we've supported him for over 10 years. It's an awesome thing. Another missionary couple we've supported is Jerry and Alita Kennedy in South Africa. And a fun story, Alita grew up in the same youth group as Bob Cherry, our founding pastor. And Alita said whenever she got into trouble, she would invite Bobby Cherry over to straighten her out. Like her mom would bring her over, they'd sit chairs up. Okay, Alita, we got to talk through this. Can you imagine? I can. I've had that talk many times. When she and her husband heard the call to go into the mission field, Northeast was one of the very first places they asked for support, and that was over 40 years ago. And church, we've been one of their faithful supporters ever since. And I'm excited to share with you a little bit of their story that's happened over that period of time, but you don't have to hear it from me. Uh, Jonathan Thomas and I, from Jonathan's on our communications team, and I got to go to South Africa in September, and we got to capture a little bit of their story for you. Well, I grew up a missionary kid in what was southern Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. Always intended to come back to Africa, but things were not good in uh, Rhodesia. So we were invited to work in Brazil. Uh, They told us it was just like Africa. It's not. (laughs) But anyway, we had a wonderful uh, ministry there, but we felt like we had achieved what we had gone there to achieve. Working with uh, Brazilian evangelists and ministers, we helped start uh, four different churches in Goiânia involved in the the Bible college there, training leaders. Basically felt that uh, the people were able to carry on quite well without us. Uh, We received an invitation to come to Cape Town to do the same sort of work. So he came here in in 1991 and been working with the, the churches here. She thought I was bringing her and the girls to a very warm place. Cape Town can be very cold <laughs> in the winter time. When I left Brazil, everybody was saying to me, oh, you're gonna go to a country that everyone speaks English. I was wanting to get ketchup. So I asked one lady and she said, what? And I said, you know, ketchup. She says, I don't know what that is. I said, what you put on your French fries? She went, French fries? What's French fries? I was like, oh no, what's this called? South Africa has problems politically. There seems to be a lot of corruption economically as well. It has problems uh, as far as crime. We have power outages on a regular basis here. It's just part of you know, being here in South Africa. And you just learn to adapt just like everyone else. The churches here, they still are influential in society, mainly being a positive thing in their neighborhoods. We have a large Muslim population 
And the Muslims here also, I think, have appreciated a lot of what the churches here do. The African people are, are very spiritual people, whether it's their, their native religion, or they're very open to the truth, where we find a lot of white people, <laughs> you know, the, uh, particularly from the British background, are not, not that open uh, to the truth. In Brazil and here in South Africa, I've always said, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you, and you need to tell me where you need my help. The Lord has put me here so I can assist you. So they have let me know over the years. They, they've asked me to help, especially with the teaching, uh, helping to train uh, people. And I try to make it as practical as possible, not just theory. They asked me to help with uh, preaching, a lot of times funerals. I'm a marriage officer, which is a, a legal position here. We always do premarital counseling with the young people before they get married. My main thing is to train and help them so they can do all this. I mainly teach the children uh, Sunday school classes and we would learn new songs and we learned the books of the Bible and lessons, you know, and try to have some crafts, which they love to do. On Sunday morning, especially the Jerry sets the chairs up and things, and I usually do the communion trays. So I think I've been doing communion trays for 40 years. <laughs> I think when I was born, they were already in our congregation, and it was just amazing to have this long relationship with people that knows us well, and that feels like family. I was obviously in the Sunday school with Sister Lita, and now, I, today, I'm a Sunday school teacher, so I've learned a lot from her and she's the one that has been guiding us or guiding me in that regard. The way that they have handled the, the church is quite impressive in terms of making sure that the people are held together and they are worshiping and from those people they are also able to spread the gospel to other people and other people coming to the Lord because of other people. Jerry is a very good teacher, yeah, teaching in different cultures, different ways, sometimes needing to give his lesson in, in English and then having to wait somebody else to translate in Afrikaans and somebody else to translate it into Kosa usually or, um, uh, or Zulu or one of the other languages, sometimes more than, more than two. He was offering these Bible classes. I was the only female um, in, the, in the class. It was a lot of gentlemen and they treated me like everybody else. And for me, it was uh, very encouraging because uh, it was all about the work of the kingdoms to share the gospel uh, and the message of Christ. One of the hardest parts of um, being a missionary mission service is the separation from family. Both our parents have passed away. Uh, in the time that we've been, been missionaries. When our children were here, of course, it's part of the raising children on the mission field, but then they get to the age where they go back to the, to the States, to America, and they start having families themselves and grandchildren, so that, that's one of the, I'd say, the hardest parts. I thought it was quite good for my two girls. They see people as a person. They don't see skin color. They don't, they don't put anyone down. I think it gave them a, uh, a bigger view of the world as well. The first time our youngest grandkids came here, it was over a, um, a Christmas break. The teacher was asking the children, what did you do over the Christmas break? So our, our grandson, Eli, he said, I went to Africa. The teacher said, really? I said, yes. I said, what did you do? He said, I held a snake. <laughs> and that was all he said. <laughs> 
it was hard and it's still hard at times that things happen that you, you know, they go to university, you're not there. They have a birthday party, you're not there. I have a birthday and I'm not there. You know, you just, and you see the blessings here and I've got a lot of children, they all have birthdays. So we have birthdays that way. I have a lot of, I have a lot of grandkids here, yeah. God's doing the work. He uses us where uh, you know, He sees fit. Young men and women who I've, I've taught and trained over the years, to see them develop in ministry, to see them reaching out to their own people with the gospel, to see them helping to start churches, that's been a real blessing. I've seen some of them that's in the church as elders, and then some of the girls are now mothers, and they're still here with their babies. And, you know, I, when they all got baptized, all I could do was cry. The support, the prayers, the encouragement, all that that we've received um, from the, the brothers and sisters in America, our supporting churches, we wouldn't have been able to have done anything without their help. And we really appreciate uh, Northeast Christian Church right from the beginning. I mean, it's been over 40 years. I'm looking forward to spending more time with, with family, being with family. And also, I think the Lord will have uh, some ministry opportunities for me there. I always said, Jerry, when you retire, you're not going to retire. You're going to have to go do something. Yeah. yeah, and I'll have to do something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being spending as much time as I can with the grandkids and my daughters. I feel like I missed out a lot with them. And visit friends from churches. I enjoy that too, yeah. You don't retire from being a Christian. You don't retire from ministry, whether you're you know, professionally or not. The Lord always has ministry for us, always has people that we can, uh, we can help in some way. So I guess it's kind of like you know, a new adventure looking, okay, where is the Lord going to open some doors and lead me in America? That is the kind of caliber of people that we partner with. And it was amazing. Person after person wanted to share what Jerry and Alita meant to them, from the youngest to the oldest, and how they've just poured into the people over there for 32 years. It was a blessing for the two of us to go visit them and to be with the people that they have loved and discipled so well. You know, every time I get to visit another part of the world and meet Christians and see their faith to hear their story, it deepens my walk and my life with Jesus. So many times in Paul's letters, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. The body of Christ, and it's a beautiful metaphor. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul proclaims, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And every time I've heard a sermon preached about the body of Christ, I've always heard the, the preacher say, So then what part of the body are you? What part are you? Because Tyler's the voice box or the abs. I don't know which one he'd choose. Um, the lungs are the worship team. The, the, the outreach and first impression, well, they're the hands. And the, the care team, well, they're the heart. Um, so which part of the body are you? And I think what Paul is saying here is when he wrote this, he didn't just imagine a body at 9900 Brownsboro Road where we are right now. And then another body down the street with a different name tag on it. And another body across the corner from them. And another body here and there. No, he imagined us as one body of Christ. 
And yes, your gifts are supposed to be shared here where you worship at whatever campus you worship at, but your gifts are also supposed to be shared with the body as a whole. This is why we wholeheartedly want to be a church that brings all kinds of churches together because we think we have gifts to share with one another. And we believe that Jesus said what he said when he prayed that we be one in John 17. And if this is true, then then unity is not just a city thing or a country thing, and it's a global thing. Can we wrap our minds around the idea that the body of Christ, that we have a family, that we have a body everywhere where a follower of Jesus stands? And that, my friend, is a diverse body. A study in 2015 said that out of the 7.4 billion people on the globe, 2.4 billion of them are Christians. Every ethnic group represented. So here's a question. How well do you know the body you're part of? How well? How well do you know the church down the street, much less the one on the other side of the world who has a different culture, speaks in a different language, uses a different currency? Because you have a gift to share with them just as they have something to offer you. We can learn so much from our brothers and sisters around the world. I know that I have. I have. I've learned community and gratitude from the Inuit Christians on the Bering Sea. I've learned perseverance and hospitality from the church in Pakistan. I've learned faith in the face of long-suffering from Christians in Palestine. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Palestine. I've learned bravery from Myanmar, standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves in Moldova. Those are, those are children and grandparents and all the middle-aged folks have left the country. Disciple-making in the Dominican Republic, that's at the GO facility right there. Evangelism in Uganda, love for neighbor in Chile. Care for the least of these in Bolivia. Unity in Cuba and gratitude. Can you believe I learned about gratitude from the church in France? I did. I did. Selfless leadership in Cape Town. My life is different because I had the opportunity to share my gifts with them, which I hope were a blessing, and they shared a gift with me, which has changed me. It's changed me. What I've learned is that God is moving all over his creation. Every moment, his kingdom is come across the globe, and we are part of it. We get to bear witness to it. Many of you who are sitting in this room will get to participate in the Blitz next weekend, where you'll get to pack a meal in Tegucigalpa. It'll go to this place right here. And some of you all will take that action step to actually go there and see this place with your own two eyes. And you'll get to see how those meals that were packed not just make an immediate difference in a family's lives, but hopefully an eternal difference because that meal will be shared out of a church and in the name of Jesus. And I promise you, you will be changed. Will you take a step out of your comfort zone and share what God has given you? Maybe it's a gift or a talent that you have your leadership, your finances, your friendship with someone in another part of the world. 
when we step outside of our borders and we see the beautiful, colorful, faithful body of Jesus, we realize that we have something for them. They have something for us. And God uses this sharing of our gifts one to another to transform us, to renew our minds, to strengthen our faith, to make us one. While in Cape Town, we got to visit a couple of the churches that Jerry and Alita have served. And at one of the churches in Macassar, they invited me to preach on that Sunday morning. And I was so grateful to share about you, the Love the Ville Church, how God continues to challenge us to unleash his love every day, everybody, everywhere. But before I got up, I was listening to some of the most beautiful singing I've ever heard. Whether the songs were in English or not, the joy they sang with, oh, the joy was unmistakable. So I asked them before I preached, I said, can I please take a video of you all and take it back to Louisville and share it with my church? So that's what I want to play for you right now. And if you feel so led, sing along with our brothers and sisters in Cape Town. church. Yeah. The worldwide church, the, the bride of Christ is a beautiful thing. And we're called to be one, even though we're separated by oceans and borders and culture and language and fear, but not forever. One day, one day it won't be on video, but we'll be singing shoulder to shoulder, standing beside one another on level ground before the one throne in one voice as one people singing to one God. One day. You don't have to wait till then to meet those people you're going to be standing beside. Right now, let's end this service by standing together and singing to our God who is worthy of our glory.